welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, and thank you for tuning into the podcast. It's Jessica. I'm so glad that you're here spending a little bit of time with me this morning. You have stumbled upon episode 178 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast, and I'm so glad to bring you another amazing interview with an amazing mom today, and that is with Jess Connolly. Jess Conley is somebody that I originally heard on one of my other favorite podcasts, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, years ago. And I can literally remember driving my son to preschool in Virginia, listening to her talking and thinking, if we were neighbors, we would be best friends. Like We have very similar energies and motivations and things like that. But I never dreamed she would be on my show. So today we are talking about her new book, Dance Stand Run, which is a book that she just released, and also she recently wrote Wild and Free, along with Haley Morgan. She is a mom of four. She's a church planter. She's super passionate about empowering other women. She's a business owner. The list goes on and on, but really what I love so much about her is her goal to empower other women and other people in their identity. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Her book is about holiness and the conjunction between holiness and grace, which I think a lot of people struggle with. And I know that she did, and she talks a lot about that in the book, and how she came to this reconciled place of understanding her true worth. And I think when we can identify our true worth, that's where the magic happens in our life. So we're going to talk all about motherhood and her new book today. Oh, and she's kind enough to do a giveaway. So make sure you head over to my Instagram at jessicadalkwist3 to enter to win a copy of The Stand Run. All right, let's get to it with Jess Connolly. All right. I want to welcome Jess Connolly to the show. Hi, Jess. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's the Jess and Jessica show today. Is your real name Jessica? I love it. It is. Okay. It is Jessica. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Has anybody ever called you Jessica? No, I have actually never been called Jessica in my whole life. Interesting. I wonder why that is, but it just fits you. Jess fits you. It, it, I was Jesse for a long time. Okay. And then my, when I met my husband, he called me Jess. So we, we, I like morphed into that as that's what he started to call me. Okay. It's in, names are so yeah. interesting. You just become who you're known as and it just, it's it always so fits. True. It does. Well, I am thrilled to be chatting with you today, not only about your new book, but about motherhood. I originally heard you years ago. I was living in Virginia, driving my kids to preschool and I was listening to you on Jamie Ivey's podcast and thinking, uh, okay, this is my girl. Like we have like a similar uh, vibe, a similar way of wanting to empower other women to utilize their strengths. But first it starts with knowing our own and starting with yeah. ourself. And I really took that away from you. And so I'm just thrilled to be talking with you today. Oh, me too. Me too. So fun. So will you just give a little background for people that may not know you? Tell me who you are, Jess. Absolutely. Well, I'm a mom of four, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a four-year-old. Okay. Um, and my husband and I live here in Charleston, South Carolina with our kiddos, where we started a church about four years ago. And I write books and travel to speak a good bit. And we also run a small business here in Charleston. I love it. That's so awesome. So people may be familiar with Wild and Free, um, which was so popular, and now Dance Stand Run is the one that's just launching, and I'm so excited for you. And we're going to talk more about that. But let's start with the motherhood 
portion. Will you just go back 10 years? Tell me about early motherhood for you. What was that like? What was Jess like during that time? And what was it what you thought it would be? Oh, man, just a totally different, yeah, no. Well, our parenting story in general, we got married really young. So I was 20 when we got married. Um, My husband was 21. And we kind of said, like, okay, 10 years. Like, we'll we'll take 10 years to have kids. We'll just, we're we're really going to enjoy our time. We knew we felt called to church ministry. And so we were like, we'll just travel and be a part of a bunch of different churches. And, um, you know, we'll get around to kids eventually. And we were married eight months (laughs) when we got pregnant for the first time. And okay. then um, my oldest was four months old when we got pregnant again. Four months. And hmm. Four months old. Okay. And mm-hmm. then I, when my daughter, my second was four months old, I went to my OB and I said, hey, I'm obviously not really like handling, um, you know, this birth control very well. Um, <laughs> will you, will you like help me understand better because I got pregnant Um accidentally with that second one so whatever you know you need to tell me to do and and she was like well actually you um, gave a sample on, on your way in and you're pregnant again so I was pregnant no. again so no we had yes we had three babies under three um our first three were born really close together they're 13 months apart on either side wow um so I had you know a, a zero year old a one-year-old and a two-year-old a one-year-old a two-year-old a three-year-old a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old. Wow. And um, those first few years were rough. I mean, for someone who said, like, I maybe want to have kids in 10 years, maybe, um, to then going to having this really full home um, was a challenge. And it was such a blessing. I mean, people, you know, there's no, there's no way around it. It was a huge blessing, and I'm so thankful. And those three kiddos are now my, like, greatest friends, um, as an eight year old, nine year old and 10 year old. Um, but those first few years were, were a huge challenge for us and, um, full of, I mean, in some ways I tell people like, I honestly don't really remember them. Like I, I kind of just blacked it out. It was so hard. It's just a blur. It's just a blur. And I heard from a wise, um, psychologist the other day, saying how we all come into parenting with a lack. So based upon how we were raised and the way we were raised and the stories that we created in our own mind and the age we are and everything, we all come in with some type of deficiency and inaccuracies and biases and all those things that just come into parenting to affect how we mother and how we think about motherhood as well. And so being young and and then couple that with throwing three kids into the mix in just three years – that's a that's a lot. So how did you go about kind of reconciling trying to grow up as well as trying to tend to your dependence? That's a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think I did it super well, I have to be honest. Um, but I also feel like it was, for me, a little bit of like, I tell women, I think it was like my origin story. I mm. think the breaking that happened in my life in that season and just, um, kind of coming to the end of myself is really honestly where like ministry came for me. Um, and again, it's, it's also the answer to when women say like, Oh, did you just always want to write books? Have you always wanted to write books? And I thought like, no, not really. And I, this, this wasn't ever like my life goal, but in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all those rough years and right, the like growing up and finding myself and working through marriage, um, 
I was writing a mommy blog. And so I, t- I say all the time, people, I felt like they were just watching a, a train wreck. Like they had to keep, they had to keep reading the blog. Cause they were like, Oh my gosh, they're pregnant again. They oh can't, my gosh, they don't know what people can't look away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, I just kept writing and kept um, sharing our story and it was like a train wreck. People couldn't look away. I mean, they kept kind of reading the story to see, okay, what's going to happen next. They're having more kids. Is it going to work? Are they going to be all right? Is she going to make it? Um, but I, I wouldn't say I have like a, a ton of tips or tricks or tools that even help me in that season other than just kind of like mercy, like throwing my hands in the air and saying, I cannot do this. I'm not great at this. Um, I can't do this in my own strength, but I think God's going to help me. Hmm. I think for some personalities too, the the humility and the necessity for God's grace comes a little bit easier without major life trials, but perhaps yeah. the three kids in three years, for other people, it looks differently. It's a, a physical ailment. It is a loss. It's financial struggles, whatever it is, those things that really compel you to surrender. Do you think yes. that played a huge part yes. in getting you to where you are today and seeing the necessity for those hard years? Absolutely. And that's why why I think we get to say, right, like we count all trials a joy because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do. I think some people can get there without really like hitting rock bottom, but I certainly couldn't. Um, I needed to hit rock bottom. I needed that. Um, I needed, I needed to kind of get to a breaking point where I said, um, this, this is not working for me. I always joke, you know, people, people always like talk about their different number of kids or, you know, what it's like to have one kid versus two kids. And for me, three kids was the just absolute breaking undoing of, I cannot do this. I cannot handle it. I'm, I, I can't do it on my own. It's not going to be pretty. It's literally just going to be like me giving, giving my best, which is not enough. And it, and, and God's grace will meet us in that. Um, and because I think for me, three was the breaking four was the party. I mean, adding our fourth was literally like a breeze. Cause I already knew like, I can't do it. I can't do it in my own strength. Mm. I need God's help. I need community. I need a little bit of counseling. I need prayer. I need the Bible. I need exercise, but it, this is not something I can do in my own strength. And you don't need to do it perfectly. I think no, by, with that yeah. first one, you're thinking, you know, if especially for people that have babysat and have siblings, you know, you're thinking, oh, I got this one kid. How hard can that be? And then when yeah. they won't stop crying and you're just like, what, have, what is going on? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. You can't effort your way to being a great mom. No. You just no. need to just put in your best every day, whatever that best looks like. Right? Yeah. And so what yeah, is motherhood? Absolutely. What does motherhood look like? For you today, it seems like you really enjoy your family and your kids. Tell me about that dynamic and how you've been able to foster that type of connection among your kids themselves and you with your husband and just what does that look like in your home? Yeah, I do enjoy them. You know, it looks really different now than, I mean, I would say motherhood looks different than what I expected and it definitely looks a lot different than it did in the early days. Mm -hmm. Um, in the early days of my motherhood, for for me particularly, I was the sole caregiver. My husband was um, working and also, like, often in grad school or doing ministry. And just he was gone a ton and, you know, would do his absolute best to be there and be present when he could. But it was, it was mostly just me. And there were great things about that season and there were really hard things about that season as well. 
Um, and now um, I'm in a really interesting season because all four of my kids are in school. Um, they're, they actually all go to the same school all day. And this is our second year in a row of that. And it's it's been jarring to go from right. this life of like very hands-on little people constantly on my feet to what felt like almost overnight, mm-hmm. um, them all gone. And, and so that kind of equates to like, I, I, I shudder to even say it out loud, but I, when I do the math, I realize it's real. I'm away from my kids more than I'm physically with them. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that always just kind of like hits me in the gut when I realize like, okay, um, and then add on to that, that I'm also a working mom. And so oftentimes I'm gone at night or if I have to leave for a weekend or, um, you know, there's parts of my job that kind of require that of me. And so it looks really different now. Um, and I think because of that, because our, our time together is often stretched thin, um, God's just kind of given me the capacity to try to enjoy what we have while we have it. Mm. Um, and I think also, part for me, part of the position of going from not working, not working outside of the home as a mom to working outside of the home is I had to stop seeing my family as work. And I had to start really seeing them as like my family and my safe place. And so Mm. my first few years of working outside the home or even just like working small business at home while they were there is I would just kind of start to believe this lie, like, oh, I have to work all the time. I have to work, you know, I have to work at work and I have to work at home and I have to work with kids and after it. And I just realized, like, I'm just missing the point that I, I keep talking about these people, these humans, as if they're my kids. They're, they're this work I have to do rather than seeing them as my family, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sum of that is also obviously been aided by the fact that they've just grown up and and they're growing up. And so it's a lot easier to have a, conver- a real conversation yes. with an eight-year-old than it is with a two-year-old, you know? Um, so our time together now looks really, we try, we try to make it like fun, light, adventure-y. Um, we don't, we try really hard not to sweat the small stuff. I'm not a stickler about the like most clean house or having all the laundry done. And I've just kind of decided at the end of the day, I want, to have an abundant relationship with them. And if that means our laundry sits on the dining room table for a week, I'm kind of okay with it. Sure. Um, I want, I want them to feel seen and heard and loved and encouraged. And I have such a short amount of time to do it in that. Um, we just have to enjoy it. Like we have to not sweat the small stuff. Well, that is such a great point. And for that hour, you could have been folding the laundry. You might swap that for a meaningful conversation with your kids or a great soccer game in the backyard or a good conversation with your husband. And sometimes you do have to make those swaps. But it is so critical to be intentional about how you're using your time. And for people that say like, oh, I don't have enough time to work out or I don't have enough time for writing a book or whatever it is that they're feeling like they don't have time for – if you really catalog your hours, we all have the same amount of time, but how yeah. are you using your time? So have you had to be really intentional about, I know you are really big into paper planners and goal setting yeah. and everything. That's a big part of how you're able to do what you do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a like meticulous planner. <laughs> so if, I, if you hear me saying like, don't sweat the small stuff, don't think there's not a plan. Like there's a plan right. behind not sweating the small stuff. But that allows um, you to not sweat the small stuff because yes, you know absolutely. that you've created that space for it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer that having a plan helps us to be more spontaneous. It helps us to have more margin to have like kind of the space to do the fun stuff. Um, so yeah, planning is a big, big part of my week and a big part of my month. And basically like, um, 
I, I do everything very goal oriented. Like, where do we want to be at the end of this? Where do we want to be at the end of our lives? Where do we want to be at the end of this year? And what do we need to do to get there? And where do we want to be at the end of this day? Do I want to have said I got six loads of laundry done? Or do I want to have said, right, that I had a meaningful conversation? And mm. um, so, you know, spoiler alert, if you come to my house, you're probably going to see clean laundry that like was folded a week ago and needs to get put up. But <laughs> Um, we'll also probably have a good conversation. Yeah, and I think that is really important. And another thing, just on the topic of family, before we move on to your book stuff, is one thing that really strikes me about you that I've been trying to implement in my own home is you're such a cheerleader of your husband. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't champion our spouse or our partners nearly enough out loud. And Mm. we are going to see whatever we're looking for. And so I think sometimes we get together with our girlfriends and we're begrudging the things that went wrong during the day or the things they're not doing or picking up or, but you are a champion of your husband. Tell me about why, why do you do that? Yeah, that's thank you so much for Aval just noticing and encouraging that. Thank you. Um, Because I do, I feel like I hear from women a lot, like, um, Aval, like, oh, that must be nice. My husband's not that great. So, like, I I can't encourage him. Or I feel like I see women kind of, like, eye roll about, like, oh, you're just pretending it's great all the time. Mm. Um, And I would say it's neither of those things. My husband is, like, not, definitely not perfect, and I'm certainly not perfect, Um, but yeah, we spent like about six years of our marriage, I would say year three to year nine, really loving each other and, and liking each other and being friends, but not trusting each other. Hmm. Um, and just not hoping the best in one another. And, um, I think we kind of just finally maybe settled into marriage and realized like, we're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So I can either be the biggest one being on your team and your biggest cheerleader and your biggest fan. Um, or I cannot. And I think you're a hundred percent right. Like as we call people up, as we speak life over them, they, they become that they, they feel that. Um, and I think, I think doing things that felt like bigger than us, it started with kids and moved into ministry and now writing books where I feel like in our life, because we're doing things that are so much bigger than us, we've just kind of chosen to be in each other's space, whatever that looks like and whatever that means for, for what the other one needs to say. Like, I, I think you're the one for the job. I think you're the guy for the job. I think you're the girl for the job. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I would say my husband absolutely is not perfect. He does a million things that annoy me. Um, But online and even privately, I want him to hear from me so much more than I say any of those things. I want him to hear, like, affirmation and encouragement and life spoken over him. And, um, yeah, and I I think it's drastically changed our relationship to, to be able to speak that life over one another. Yeah, it's those comments can be the big change in your relationship. You know, you can have like yeah. an average low simmer, you know, relationship and those types of comments that really call them up to that level of excellence and inspiration yeah. and it just adoring them. They will yeah. become that even more. When you see glimmers of that, highlight it. Don't wait for the big thing to happen because it may or may not come. You know, the big, you know, romantic weekend away may not happen. But Absolutely. they may really pour into your kids and you may watch them being like, thank you for being the father of my children. Thank you yeah. for loving them so well. You know, things like that. It's simple, simple things that can elevate all of us. And, and in return, we want to be noticed for those things as well from the person that we love and trust the most. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. Love it. So 
you said you didn't set out to be an author. So how on earth did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really didn't. I mean, people, when people ask that, like, did you just always dream about writing books? I was like, I, I, my honest answer is no. Um, I have always liked to use my words. So I'm a very wordy girl. I I mean, I, I like have always said what's on my mind. Um, and I've, I, I even don't even, I, I don't consider myself like a writer by craft. I don't, my goal is never to write beautiful things, but I do like to compel people to change. I like to communicate and compel people, whether that's through speaking or using my words. And so, um, it really did start with a mommy blog. I mean, I would write about taking my kids to the zoo and I'd write about what was going on in my heart and I'd write about hair and like new hairstyles I wanted to try and I'd write about the bible and I just it was all mixed in and all locked in together there was no hope for anything on the back end I wasn't like hoping to become famous I wasn't hoping to make money off of it certainly I was just like I I like to write to process and I want to tell people what I think and amazing (laughs) a blog gave me like a free access to do that no one asked me to do it and I have to get permission from anyone um and from there, um, again, I think like it, it, people kind of kept reading as we went through just some really tough years. And, um, I found that being honest was like really what a lot of women seem to need. They seem to need someone to just say me too, or I'm struggling with that too. Um, and from there, I mean, the first time I, I, the first time I ever even really thought about publishing was when a, a publisher came to me and said, like, hey, you seem to write really honest things that people resonate with. What, have you ever thought about writing books? And um, I thought, yeah, I, I have. I, have, I mean, I guess I have. I, yeah. I, I, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. And so um, from there, I wrote Wild and Free with my good friend Haley Morgan. And that was started based on a conversation that her and I had back and forth. We would text each other and say, like, hey, go be wild and free today. Be wild and free, be wild and free, be wild and free. And we didn't really know what that meant. We just would encourage each other <laughs> with those words. And so when the publisher came to us and said, have you ever thought about writing books? The first thing I thought was like, man, if I could write about wild and free with Haley, like that would be the dream. That would be what I would want to do. Yeah. Um, and so we thankfully, like by God's grace, got to do that. And then um, she's going on to write her own second book. And I just finished Dance, Stand, Run. And I got a few more books in the work after that. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden here we are. And I just... Still, just trying to tell the truth and tell women where I'm at, so they can say me too with me. And it sounds like it's not so much about the book; it's about the message. It's about yeah. the ability to get this this concept and all of these concepts that you're writing about to all the women that need to hear it. They need to feel like me too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely, I feel like if a woman finishes one of my books and thinks like oh, she's so great, or like, oh, that that was really well-written, um, I will have done it wrong. Mm, <laughs> I want wow. her to put the book down and say, like, oh, man, I God has given me some gifts. And, right. oh, look, like, my life is really beautiful and abundant. I, I'm so thankful to live it um, and feel more empowered and encouraged and comfortable in her life and how God's made her. Oh, I love that. So Dance, Stand, Run, your new book, talks a lot about holiness. And this has been a process for you coming to this place of understanding what holiness means. And people listening may be at very different points in their understanding of grace and holiness and just all along the spectrum. And maybe they're not a believer. So speaking yeah. to the person that is not sure, what do you mean by holiness? What does holiness mean to you, Jess? 
Yeah, such a good question. And you're right. Yeah, I didn't really know the answer to that when I first started writing. It was obviously a word I had heard thrown around. I hear it thrown around about God and about us and um, just kind of started digging into that. What does holiness mean? Why don't we really talk about it so much in the church? Um, And what does it have to do with grace? And so what holiness means to me is that when we say God is holy, that means he is perfect. He's otherworldly. He's set apart. Um, he's good. He's not like us. Um, and so there's, you know, this great divide between us and him. He's holy. We are human. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I believe is that by grace, and when I say grace, I mean that he made a way. He leaned in towards us and said, hey, I don't want to be apart from you. I don't want to be far from you. I don't want to be um, over here away from you. I want to bring you closer to me. So he made a way for us. And that way was Jesus to say, if you will have faith in Jesus, then you can come over here with me. You, we mm. can be in this relationship, not just in eternity, not just for heaven, um, but for now that we can be in relationship with him now. Mm. Um, and that when he did that, he also said, and now I've given you that identity of, of Christ. I've given you that identity of Jesus, of, of, of my own holiness. And you are now also holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what I started to realize is that we, that's how the Bible describes holiness. But when we talk about holiness, we talk about becoming more holy or acting more holy. And we also kind of talk about it when we talk about it in human terms as like us versus everyone else, kind of like us acting set apart, holier than now, right? These right. It's kind of negative. About. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the negative of like things you shouldn't do. If you if you do any of these things, then you are then not holy. Sure. Um, so that really began me kind of pulling this string and this thread of like wanting to understand if he says we're already holy, what does what does it look like for us to agree with our holiness? Mm-hmm. And is there more to this story than just things we shouldn't do? Um, and that's really what I've found, and that's really what the whole book is about. Is that I'd like to kind of change the conversation about holiness and say, um, when we really look at God's word, um, first of all, we have to really take grace into consideration and understand it, and and like try to wrap our heads around it. Because I think um, our modern day interpretation of it is a little bit empty and a little bit lackluster. But also when we really understand that grace, then we get to really understand this concept of holiness that is less about things that we shouldn't do that separates us from other humans and more about this beautiful identity that's written over our lives that connects us with God. And it's really more about what we get to do versus Mm. what we don't, we're not supposed to do. Right. And so how, how do you create a life that doesn't make other people feel like, oh, she's the churchy one? She's yeah. the she's the one that thinks she's holier than thou. How do you mm-hmm. how do you live that in a way that's authentic to the point where you're simply just seeking to be the hands and feet of Jesus? That's all. Yeah. That's 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 holy. That's it. Yeah. But how do you do yeah. it without alienating other people? I think a few different things. I mean, I would say I'd say two different things. I'd say number one, I talk a lot about um, stepping into our circle of holiness, meaning that when we talk about holiness we will only talk about our own. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We will not talk about others. We will not say like X, Y, and Z are obviously not that holy or so-and-so does this. And so I think number one, we're just going to have to change the conversation and flip the script and stop pointing um, weapons at one another and different camps and different like religions and saying they're obviously not holy. They are. And just say like, you know what, as for me, when I talk about holiness, I'm just going to talk about my own. Mm. Um, 
And number two, I think the other way that we do that is, is focusing more on these things that we get to do, these vibrant, alive parts of our faith. Things like reading the Bible and prayer and exactly what you said, serving and speaking life, right? It ties back into just speaking life over our husband. There's a whole chapter in Dance, Stand, Run about speaking life because it's one of those things that we get to do. And when we do, it impacts everyone. And I think it makes people say like, oh, there is something different about her. She's not coming to me telling me there's something different about her. I'm seeing there's something different about her. Um, And and then them being curious and wanting to know what that is and can they have it. Right. That's the ticket. Not telling people everything that you believe and how that dictates your life, but living what you believe and letting other people come to you and see what is different about what you are thinking that is, that is just changing the way you live your life because you, Mm -hmm. people will want more of Jesus and more of that hope and more of that abundance. Like you talk about in the book if mm-hmm. they see it Absolutely. exuding from you, not being preached necessarily by you. There's a role for preaching, but but, yeah. the, but the life aspect, I think, is really what's so critical in this book, and it's so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, one of the quotes, it says, it's in the celebration of grace coupled with the awareness that we've already been given holy standing with God that we start to taste the fullness of our identities. There are so many moms that feel like they're just not doing a good enough job. There's so many people that are wrestling with, are they good enough in in general, in life? Are they skinny enough? Are they fun enough? Are they a good enough friend? Everyone just feels like they're falling short. And and I think books like this just seek to scrap all of that and be like, no, 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 no. It's not based upon any of the things you do during the day or the accomplishments or how you look. It is simply you wake up every morning already holy. You're on holy ground. Absolutely. Yeah, the book talks a lot about working from the approval we've been given rather than trying to work for approval. And I think I pray that that message will really free a lot of women up. Mm -hmm. The idea that like, no, no, you're not working for God's approval. Yes. You're not having to stay on some path um, of doing it all right all the time for him to love you. Right. What would you tell somebody that's really struggling with that concept of feeling like enough, whether it's in life or whether it's in terms of their own spirituality? Yeah, I would, I would encourage them to dig into the idea of grace. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's something we say super casually, like, oh, well, you know, give yourself grace or you should receive grace or we should give each other grace. But like to dig into that idea, um, and the book does that a good bit, but you know, people could do that on their own scripturally or, um, just the idea of grace, like really the more I've found that I read about it or talk about it, um, or think through it, I realize like, this is, this is not some weak thing. This is not, um, this is not some innocuous power in my life. It's a really, it's a really powerful presence of God coming to me first before I can come to him and saying like, I know you're not enough. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) I love you anyways. Um, I love you. I love you at your absolute worst and I'm going to keep loving you and I'm not expecting anything of you other than just to keep needing me. Mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm such a proponent of, I mean, we're still young. I'm 33. Are you close to that? I'm 33. Okay. Hey, so 
there's so much life hopefully left to be lived, right? And so to be clarifying these types of truths, and I'm a proponent of therapy, of self-development, of all spiritual development, all of those types of things. I want to be the best version of myself, fully realizing that I have a lifetime left to go as well. So I should never be like hard on myself that I'm not where I want to be or feeling like, oh, I got this holiness thing now. So now I don't need to learn any more about it. It's a constant work in progress. And I'm so glad that you're doing the work and that I'm trying to do the work. And I'm sure so many listening are doing the work that will allow them to be their best selves now so they can live the rest of their lives with that knowledge. That's Sorry. beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's it's really important. So why do you think our identity and the way that we view ourselves is so important in terms of motherhood? Like like I said before about that lack. We all come in with some type of lack, but the more we can work on that identity piece, what do you think about that? How does that change the way we can mother and, and model to our kids these principles? Man, I think it changes everything. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think like – I think a, it's exactly what you said. I think a life where we're, we're striving and we're constantly coming up short, that just sounds exhausting yeah. and horrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this like sense in motherhood. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've been in any kind of school. I know a lot of moms are also in, in school, but it's been a long time since I've been in school. And every few years, I'll get this kind of like awakening where I realize like there's no test coming up. Mm. Like, I, oh, I forgot for a minute. There's no test coming up. Like there's mm. no due date. This is just life. Um, and it's almost like I feel this relief of like being off the hook and just remembering like, this is it. This is life. Like this, this is what we get to do. This is what we get to do. This is the fun part. This is all the fun part. Um, and so I think if you're, if you're living under compulsion of always trying to get better, um, if you're believing there's some invisible standard that you have to measure up to, you are always going to feel on the hook. You're always going to feel like you're prepping for some test. Um, and you're just going to miss the abundance and the fruit and the joy and the hope in all of it. Oh, I could not agree more. So the title dance stand run, why that title? Yeah, well, the book is kind of split into three parts, and we felt like we had to cover all of them equally. Um, So the first part of the book is about grace, and it's about dancing and grace and just really asking the question, like, why do we we totally understand grace? And if we really did, wouldn't it make us dance? Wouldn't Mm -hmm. it make us just feel joyful over that idea? Um, And then the middle part of the book is about holiness and about, again, just standing our holy ground, not trying to become more holy, not striving for holiness, but just recognizing where we've been placed as people who believe in God and standing that ground for ourselves. And then lastly, the run is running on mission, because I believe when we totally take in the grace of God that we've been given, and when we stand our holy ground, the next thing we're going to do is go tell people about it. And Mm -hmm. so the last portion of the book is about running on mission. I love it. Jess. Oh, I'm so proud of you, but I know that oh, you, you don't want to take any of the credit. You just want to spread I this message. <laughs> it's true. It was all, literally all him, and I just feel very grateful to have been a part of it. And you know what? Hearing that this is a new topic for you, it's not like this has been your life's work, and you're like, now I get to write a book about no. holiness because I'm so good at it, and I'm so knowledgeable about yes. it. This is a new topic to you, so that's really empowering to think there could be something right around the corner, something that's pressing on your heart right now that you really want to dig deeper into or that you want to resolve or that you, whatever it is you want to address, you can do that. 
It's absolutely. not too late to and start. not only can you do that, but you can impact the people around you because yeah. you're absolutely right. This is like a new topic for me. And now suddenly I'm writing a book on it. Right. Um, and, and I think that's like when we lead best, when we do it from inside the camp saying like, this is me, I'm struggling with it too. But like, let's move forward together. And I could not agree more. I, I love reading books like that. I love listening to women as they lead in that way, whatever that looks like, whether it's locally or on podcasts or on the internet. I love hearing women say, this is what I'm learning and this is where I'm coming from. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much we can learn from each other. And you're such a champion of other women pursuing their own passions and talents and gifts. And I just love that about you. So I strive to do that in my own life. And it really comes from people like you that inspire me and remind me every day when I see you shouting out your friends and your family and just championing them, it's like a great reminder that I need to be pouring into those people as well. Thank you, friend. Thank you Amazing. so much. Amazing. So where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm Jess A. Connolly on all social media, on Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And my website is JessConnolly.com. And the book website is DanceStanRun.com. Amazing. And we're going to be doing a giveaway of the book. Did you know that? No, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. I am so glad. So everything will be linked over on my website, ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. And the giveaway will be on Instagram at JessicaDalkwas3. So this has been so, so great. I always ask my guests just one final question. And it's this, Jess. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, I would tell my pre-motherhood self, you are the girl for the job. You oh. are the one for these kids. God didn't pick you on accident. You have exactly what you need to raise them, and they are exactly what you need. Oh, couldn't agree more. Jess, thanks for taking the time. Congratulations on your new book. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Enjoy this time of sharing this amazing, amazing message. You're extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I loved that conversation so much. It was such a treat to get to chat with Jess this morning, and it just gave me so much to think about. So regardless of where you are on your faith journey, um, regardless of what your beliefs on grace or holiness currently are, I love having my mind expanded to hear from people that are very passionate about um, a certain topic like this. And this book just gives you so much food for thought. And it's like girlfriends talking about this topic that can be really stringent in a religious context, but this book makes it really approachable and it shows you why this type of understanding about your identity is so critical. Um, so thanks Jess for writing Dance Stand Run. You can go pick it up wherever books are sold. We're also doing a giveaway. Head over to my Instagram at jessicadalquist 3 and you can enter to win a book. Um, we're going to have run it for 48 hours. So on Thursday at noon, the giveaway is going to close. I'm going to pick one winner to win one of Jess's new books. So that's really exciting, but you can also purchase them whenever books are sold. Links to everything we talked about today, pictures of Jess and her beautiful family are going to be over on extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Like I said, you can follow me at Instagram at JessicaDalkwist3. I'm on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast over there, trying to be a little more regular with that. <laughs> um, but just thank you so much for tuning in today. It's been such a treat getting to share this time with you. Um, we have our Extraordinary Mom of the Month Award episode coming up this Friday. So if you have not yet nominated, get on that. I'm picking a winner today so we can interview them for Friday's episode. And the winners win a prep dish subscription. So... Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.